everyone. How's it going? Welcome back to the Infatuation Podcast. Uh, I know I say this all the time, but I think we have a really great episode for you today. I'm really excited about it, and I hope that you enjoy it and learn something. And before we introduce our guest today, I want to reintroduce you to a guy who actually introduced me to Michelle and her work and, and the great things that she's doing. It's our old pal, content creator, Jeff Yamazaki. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Hey, how you doing, Curtis? What's uh What's new in LA these days? Uh, not much. Uh, meeting people like Michelle here and there. Um, I think something new is Threads. Have you guys heard of Threads? Yeah, I just joined. Yeah, <laughs> yeah did you? It's like oh, another media to join. <laughs> I hopped on that I think yesterday, and it's been crazy these past like forty eight hours. What, but... What's our number? <laughs> what's up? Yeah, I think like we we signed on and we're like under the mill and then oh. and then i forgot to do my personal so i think we're at uh-huh. like i'm at like 56 million what? i don't even know <laughs> oh oh that number shows oh, that you number that number shows up. you when yeah the number that you signed up oh wow oh, yeah I, I looked at like someone was saying they were already at 30 mil when i joined somewhere around there so oh it's that number on the profile mm-hmm Oh, wow. oh, so you can tell who's like really quick adopter and who's kind of later in the game. <laughs> oh, I am under a million eight one nine four five six. Oh wow, he's a he's a beta wow. tester. Yeah, <laughs> you're a pioneer. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna be that. I, I was I actually never really liked Twitter, so I don't know why I joined. It. In the same way, yeah, I'm like, what do what do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> but everyone else is doing it. So I, yeah, I just got to hop on it, all, all the trends. Oh, man. All right. Well, I guess we may as well introduce our guest now. <laughs> our guest today is, it's kind of hard to describe you, Michelle. It's, um, you know, you're a designer, you're a founder, you're a creative director at Uprisers, which is a fashion brand that's a community-driven streetwear brand rooted in stories of the underrepresented. And we'll talk about th- more about that in a second. But you're also one of the co-founders of Hate is a Virus, which is a nonprofit community of mobilizers and amplifiers to dismantle racism and hate. And we didn't even talk about ice skating. You were a competitive ice skater for, for a bunch of years. But before we get into all that, let's just say hi to Michelle K. Hanabusa. How are you, Michelle? Good. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me today. Sure. And you're also in L.A., yeah? I am tuning in from L.A., yes. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I was just telling you guys, I'm going to drive through there. Maybe I'll stop for a day or two. We're, we're on the way to San Diego, but you know, there's a lot of cool stuff in LA. Yeah, but, come on by. I'm in downtown Art District. So if you want to hang out, hit me up. Yeah, my sister, my sister's in LA. She lives, I think she calls it Central. She kind of near the Grove or kind of near LACMA. Yeah, like Miracle Mile, Fairfax. Where's, how far is the Art di- Arts District from there? Well, traffic or no traffic? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like two miles, but three hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in traffic, I think it will take you like 30, 30, 40 minutes, maybe. Okay. Okay. But it's not that far. It's not that far. Okay. All right. Yeah. You got, uh, at the end of the show, we'll talk about some stuff that's going on. I'm sure you have a lot of events planned for this month. Um, hey, do you mind if we dig into your roots a little bit? Yeah, sure. Go for it. All right. So uh, I think I read that you're Japanese Okinawan American, but... What generation are you? How far back do you does your family go into in the states? Yeah, so I say that I'm a fourth generation. Um, 
but sometimes I'm like, it could be 3.5 or something like that right. because my dad is Sanse, which is third generation. Um, my great grandparents have been in LA um, for quite some time. And they actually, their first location that they lived in or bought a home was in uh, like Fairfax area, right where you're going. So uh, we have a lot of history there. Um, but then my mom is from Japan. So she's okay. technically like, I guess what first gen. Um, right. And so growing up, it was very much like speaking Japanese in the home. But then I'm like uh-huh. fourth gen. So a lot of my counterparts that are fourth, fifth, sixth generation um, can't speak Japanese. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But then, I, yeah, I can speak. <laughs> That's cool. Do you know what what did your dad's family do when they were here, like for all those generations? So, um, my great grandfather, from what I've learned, is well, he had to get a job under age, so he lied about his age, and I think he was uh, working in like the coal mines. Oh wow! I don't know too much about that, but they had a laundromat at one point, and then they moved back to Hiroshima for a little bit Mm. um and unfortunately that was during the times of the atomic bomb so um their first daughter passed away when they came back to the states uh they continued to work but my grandparents started a they've done so many things but they started a convenience store in south central my grandpa actually went to USC with an accounting degree, but was encouraged by his family or his parents to start like be an entrepreneur mm. and and start a convenience store. So uh-huh. he like dismissed his accounting degree and was like, hey, I guess I'm just going to start this uh-huh. store. Um, it was really tough on them. Uh, there was a uh-huh. lot of violence and, you know, racism, whatnot. Uh, it wasn't easy. And after that, they were like, we can't do this anymore. Uh, and then my grandpa, my grandfather started uh, working uh, in accounting. My grandma worked at a bank. They ha- they didn't have an easy life, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you actually speak Japanese or is it more conversational? Conversational. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Can you speak Japanese? Yeah, I could speak Japanese. Really? I don't know, it's kind of... It's hard to like bring out Japanese all of a sudden. Oh, very good. I love it. <laughs> We're going to turn this podcast into all Japanese. Let's do oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no subtitles and audio, so it might be hard. Now my audience can hang. <laughs> did you only learn Japanese through your parents or did you actually go to... Japanese school outside of you know your American school or how did that happen yeah I um apparently my first language was Japanese and then they're like oh I guess she lives in LA (laughs) she needs to start speaking English um but I did Mm. go to Japanese school so I went to Asai Gakuen uh on Sato oh you did Mm -hmm. I hated it wow and um (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I didn't survive very long um and then it still exists. I grew up in Culver City, but there's this elementary school. It's a bilingual language school um, where you could either pick Japanese as a language or uh, Spanish as a language at that time. And so my parents obviously um, you know, took me to the Spanish, uh, not Spanish, <laughs> Japanese route. And you would learn all the subjects in Japanese. 
for half the day and then all the subjects in English. And I think their thesis at that time was when you when you're still, you know, very, very little and your brain is still, you know, um, Mm. formulating whatever the right word is, um, you actually start excelling um, quicker once you once you're a little bit older and so it's really interesting because I, I think I saw a lot of my classmates that um were part of that emergent school ended up being in like the honors and the AP classes and whatnot um as we got older so I don't know if it has to do with being in in mm-hmm. the bilingual language school but yeah no I think there's something to that I think your brain you know is able to make more connections and there's something to that, you know, with bilingual kids. And there's something about Asian languages, too, because they're so hard. You know, like yeah, <laughs> it really triggers something in the brain. Yeah, I, I really loved that time period because even though there was like the Japanese emergent school and the Spanish emergent school, they also loved like combining us and we get to celebrate each other's cultures. Instead of very, mm-hmm. very early age, we're learning about like the Spanish um, culture, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I would want my kids to go there. At some point. And yeah. it was a public school. Well, it's still it's still mm-hmm. available to yeah. wow. attend. Wow. Culver City. That's cool. I'm starting to see some of the pieces come together, Michelle. <laughs> you know, you got the entrepreneurial blood in your family <laughs> and then this multiracial or diverse kind of upbringing. Was there anything in your youth that kind of pointed to design or were you a a kid who sketched all the time or what what kind of things were you into as a kid? Yeah, I think I've always been this um, visual person. And if I really liked something, I really loved it. If I wasn't too fond of it, it was just like not even part of the picture. So it was very black and white of like where my passions lied. And it always mm. it was always in the creative side. Um, I was the arts and crafts you know at home I was always like collaging sketching just doing random stuff um as a figure skater I designed all my costumes and we would go to <laughs> yeah. you know LA fashion wow. fashion district and pick out all the fabrics and the gems and I would like cut every single rhinestone <laughs> on on my costume mm. and I, I think it was a good thing too because um my parents didn't have a, a lot of money growing up so it was a way of like cost saving for right. us to do our own costumes, but I actually genuinely enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it had to be functional. You know, you had to exactly. it didn't fall apart. <laughs> nah, that's cool. That's cool. So where did the I so you I, I think I saw that you were working a little bit in in the industry, but when did you get the idea that you could do it on your own or that you could you could start a label on your own? Yeah, that's a, a question that I get frequently, and it's there's not a straight shot answer. It's uh-huh. been a progression of just like lived experiences over the years, sure, right? Even sure. before I was in the um, um, professional world. And so growing up in like a multicultural space, um, I've experienced personal like racism, microaggressions over the years. And I think just trying to find a voice for myself, but then also for the community um, was something that I couldn't necessarily find right away at that time. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a great I had great jobs and in the fashion and entertainment space. Um, mm-hmm. But I think at one point I was like, I don't think this is a path for me. 
And mm. I will never have a voice if I were to continue on this route, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so if I can't find a platform like this, I'm going to create it myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know what I was doing. I never took any entrepreneurial class before, mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't think YouTube was as popping with all this information now. Right, right, um, yeah. And so I was like, I'm just going to do it on the side while I still work um, and see what happens. And I was actually approached by folks who owned manufacturers. Um, they became, quote unquote, my investors and put this idea in my head that I can start my own brand because they really liked what I was working on. Mm. That's how it started. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I think just over time, because that was like four years of that, and it was that wasn't Uprisers, it was a different brand. I think over that, it was like really just, I lived in factories and really learned wow. everything from A to Z. Um, mm -hmm. And I loved it. I love being in that environment in a weird way. Um, mm -hmm. I surround myself with boxes right now, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like home for me. Um, uh -huh. But I really fell in love with the the industry, and I think as hard of as it is to be in fashion, um, I think the additional layer to it was how can I bring purpose to what we're building? Mm -hmm. It's not just creating something cool and putting it out in the world and hope people would buy it. I think yeah. I wanted to find a really creative way with a skill set that I knew how to like what to do and bring a mission into all of it. So that's kind of where the concept of Uprise Uprisers started. Okay. So Uprisers, uh, we described it before, but one of the, one of the phrases that was there that you, you touched on a little bit, maybe we can uh, unpack that a little bit more is what does community driven fashion mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the way I like to describe it, which is, I think, a little bit opposite from how fashion works, is it's what is the messaging first? What is the mm. something that we can address as a community? What is something that is top of mind within our community? And how can we tell those stories through a collection or through a campaign? Mm -hmm. So product mm -hmm. almost becomes secondary. It's mm -hmm. more about mm -hmm. like, what is it that we want to stand for um, first? And then the vehicle of that medium happens to be fashion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when it's like community driven, right? Like we're, we're not a nonprofit, um, but we're very focused on like being on the grounds of, of having these conversations within our current network and our current community. And um, how can we raise awareness around it? Or how can we uh, uh, inspire folks to kind of think a little bit differently around XYZ that we're talking about? How can we tell these stories that you've never heard about, but are actually so cool and so dope that you would never find that on mainstream media? How can we uncover those things yeah. and then like be champions of these communities mm -hmm. and people? You know, we've been we we do these surveys every year at the end of um, each year just to actually get uh, um, feedback from our community directly. And so, first year we we had three four hundred folks that are writing like paragraphs to us what they liked mm. that we did, what we what they thought that we can improve on. You know, what they would like mm -hmm. to see us continue to do in the future. 
Um, and that has really cr- uh, like crafted each year of like what we're focusing on. And so I, I would like to think that we're very intentional with everything that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I noticed on your website, you don't, you don't have hundreds of items for sale on your website. You know, I think it looks, sounds like, and looks like everything's very in, intentional. Is there a process as you're, as you're coming out with a shirt or, or a jacket? What's, what's your process on that? You start with a story. Is that, is that kind of how it goes? Yeah. So we start off with a story and we do this like deep dive, almost like creative brainstorming. Let's, let's discover your roots. Um, let's learn about your history. It depends on who we're, who we're working with, right? So if it's an individual, uh, for example, our first collaboration with Asia Jackson, and she started a movement called Maganamur NX, which um, addresses colorism at the end of the mm-hmm. day and finding beauty within your skin, um, color of your skin. And um, we wanted to celebrate this like annual movement that she's created. Um, and so it was really diving deep into that and how we wanted to celebrate that moment through clothing. Um, if it's an organization, I think that process is a little bit different as well. Um, if it's more of like these bigger corporations like Panda Express or like Cholula that you, uh, we just recently launched, um, that process is different too. But it's like, how can we continue to keep community in mind and use their platform and their bigger reach to then amplify a story or an individual's voice within that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, especially with the Pan Express Club. I think that's my first touch point with Uprisers. When I saw the Pan Express jackets on on Instagram or probably through uh, the Uprisers Instagram, I was like, oh, it's such a cool varsity jacket. And <laughs> what was like the process for that Pan Express varsity jacket or how that collab came alive or came to life i was was wanting to know yeah um i mean the pan express collaboration is is just so so special to us um and i think a lot of folks are like oh how did did you get that to to work and it's been years in the making it Mm. wasn't just like let's hit them up and let's create something (laughs) (laughs) um uh when they heard well so we got invited to show up at complex con which is probably like the biggest like streetwear hub celebration mm-hmm. out of the year right like fifty thousand people show up um it's all of like the latest brands that are showcasing their debuting their collections or it's just like a really cool space to be in and when we when we got invited in 2021 i just knowing that there's not a lot of asian rep- representation there um mm-hmm. let alone a, a, a woman founder or designer i was like how can i bring our entire community not entire but like as many of our of our community right. into the space that so people can learn about small businesses and all the cool shit that we're doing uh, we as in our community our API community. so i want to create dedicate to my grandmother's convenience store in south central mm-hmm. i want to reimagine oh, what wow. that looks like into a market Hmm. and so you can we had i think um, 11 small businesses show up in there and at that time it was like you know fly by jean was just about to pop like sanzo was about Mm -hmm. to pop um then Uh we had just a a lot more other small businesses that were a part of the marketplace and panda really wanted to support that so that was like first step Hmm. of us like starting that relationship and it Mm -hmm. went so well and people were like 
I've never seen Panda show up in this industry or yeah, in this yeah. space before. Like, oh, yeah. that we're like, okay, if we're going to do this again next year, Panda, what are your thoughts if we did like a co-branded merchandise? No one has done this before in this space. Yeah, yeah. And they never do cars. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's that's kind of how it started. And so it was like a year in the making leading up to the next complex con. And the the jacket itself, you know, I really varsity bomber jackets, all of that is like really, really in right now. But um I wanted to have my own feel to it, which is a lot of like mixtures and textures and um because we were doing like cut and sew, like how can we create more like movement throughout? So you'll see like the different patterns on the sleeves. Um, we made it like a reversible jacket so you can, you know, if you don't want this crazy graphics <laughs> all the time, yeah, you can yeah. flip it and just yeah, yeah. becomes like a, like a quilted black jacket. Um, uh, the, the, the Chanel texture as well throughout, I think that is like a really special moment with all the embroideries, um, mm-hmm. the, the cloud like orange chicken, what I like to call it is uh-huh, uh-huh. paying homage to the clouds yeah. of the, the <laughs> wallpaper that you see at some of the restaurants, uh-huh. you know? So we kind of like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really great process. And it just looks so killer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I gotta say it works too, Michelle. I, I didn't show you, but I'm wearing my, uh, we are uprising oh shirt. Oh my gosh. What? <laughs> Hello. And, uh, whenever I wear it, so on the back, there's a big panda, right? And there's a bunch of AAPI brands on the back of it. You know, you got your twirl milk teas, you got your Sanzos, you got your, uh, bowl cut. And everywhere I go, when I wear this shirt, everyone asks me, no way, where did you get a panda shirt from? And it's super <laughs> styling. And, you know, it starts conversations and it, it starts stories. And, you know, like I, I have a kind of a, a cool story about panda because uh, there's a Cecilia Chang. She had a restaurant in San Francisco and one of her chefs uh, ended up uh, being the dad of the guy who started Panda Express. What? So there's kind of a San Francisco connection to Panda Express. And so I always have stories and, you know, it just starts conversation and it starts talking and it's, you know, it's cool. It's, it's an iconic brand in America. Everyone knows it, you know, and it's just, it's cool to have it on a shirt and to represent other companies as well as, as well as mm-hmm. yours and just what you're doing. So, so yeah, it's really, it's, it's clever, but it's cool and it's just, it's really a good it's really a good fit for you guys, I thought. So. <laughs> I've had people message us being like, Hey, we wore our panda jacket to a panda express and we got a discount. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. <laughs> Jeff, like, what are you oh, doing, okay. man? <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta wear that every single day when I go when I go to Panda. <laughs> Yeah, um, they, they meet, maybe they think you're from headquarters or something, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <awesome>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's even just true. like people tell us their their panda orders all of a sudden, and it definitely <laughs> is a conversation starter. So absolutely, yeah, it's great. And you just start. You just said you launched uh, with Cholula as well. Everyone's favorite hot sauce. That's not sriracha, but um, <laughs> but, but everyone's favorite hot sauce. And it's just uh, how do you, you just do they find you or you kind of pitch it to them or or you start the conversation? Yeah, Does it work the same every time or is it different every time? It's. I mean, it's different every time. I think we um, right now um, um, a lot of our collaborations have been inbound. Uh, so Cholula wasn't inbound um and i i believe it started because they saw a panda uh, yeah uh, um 
So it's like, oh, how does like the food space like show up in this space, mm-hmm. you know, and how can we do it in a creative way? And yeah. um, it was really, really great to work with a Mexican American designer as well. And, you know, he had this idea of of creating like a traditional Mexican poncho, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of people have, but then let's use hoodie material. So fleece and like reimagine mm-hmm. that. And so that's been like a very popular piece. Everyone keeps on being like, my favorite right now uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah i mean does the do you have when you say team you have someone who specializes in like materials and sewing and then someone else more on the graphic side and someone else more on the the, the marketing side how does your team work together or does everyone have all kinds of specialties yeah we're, our team is very very small so like i still have i still do the graphics uh-huh. Um, I, I bring on graphic designers when the projects are like big enough where I can bring them on marketing. It's like me and one other person. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Partnerships and like closing deals like that. Uh, we have like now management helping us with that. So they are an incredible team to work with. So we just have like really, really good people around us that can help us execute this as we are still a small business. I had one piece that I wouldn't mind talking about, but do you have a, a piece or part of a collection that you'd want to talk about? Ooh, um, there's so many, but I think that one thing top of mind right now is our Southern California flower market uh, hmm. collaboration that we launched in 2020 right before the pandemic. That was a special one because it's such an international hub for like flower growers and even just florists and people like come to DTLA in the entire like flower district to get flowers, right? It's like a thing Hmm. now, but it was actually started by Japanese immigrants, Japanese American immigrants, and it started in 1912. So um, I used to volunteer and also do some of their socials back in the day. Um, mm. And so I, I'm I'm really close with them, and like the the flower market is is such a home for me. Like I love going there. And so when I pitched this idea back then to like, hey, let's tell a story because no one knows this. They're like, yeah, let's mm. do it. So um, even if it's like a local campaign like that, I think it's very very meaningful. And we're talking to a DTLA hotel right now that has really really loved the storytelling aspect and telling the history behind Los Angeles that we're now talking about taking that same concept of, of the flower market history into a larger scale retail opportunity. Um, so I, I really, really enjoyed that. And um, there's other, uh, I can't mention it yet, but there's a, a fashion district in downtown. I guess it's only one, but there's, there's conversations around that to really tell that story too, right? Cause there's uh-huh. so much history behind it yeah. um so it's like how do we uncover those make it cool but then also meaningful yeah to our gener the generations man I-, I love this i feel like there's like all these little secret easter eggs and all of your designs and all your clothing it's like um we got it's not just like you're not just buying a shirt you know you're buying the story you're buying the history you're buying it sounds i mean this doesn't sound right you're buying people i mean you're buying their experiences you're buying you know, who they are, their essence in a way when you buy, buy your clothes. It's very, very cool. Michelle, what do, what do you have planned for, for Uprisers? You got, you got a lot, it sounds like you're busy all the time, but <laughs> what do you, what do you have planned for the rest of this year? You got some big events coming up? Yes. Um, we do, but I can't share just yet. 
Mm-hmm. But next spring will be quite exciting. <laughs> yeah yeah um that's going to be kind of our like next milestone i think that we're really like uh, yeah um it's very very exciting um yeah (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i can't really share she she would have to kill us if she told (laughs) us (laughs) actually one of my first events that i got invited to was an uprisers event which was super cool. Michelle invited me to what? What was that event? It was yeah, kind of like early meetup, right? Yeah, it's just like a meetup event, um, just with our current community, and it was our way to share what's what's coming up next, and then and the ability for everyone to just network with each other. But yeah, there was a presentation that I shared, and it was very cryptic. It was like. These are the icons <laughs> that are coming out. I mean, now now you can. I had one like chili, like chili sauce. Uh-huh. People know was that that, that was that was the chula. Ah, I see. See, she's all about the Easter eggs, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was. Yeah, thanks for coming to that, Jeff. Yeah, no problem. That was so much fun. And <laughs> I was like, that was my first experience, kind of connecting with the API community, and. I've been connecting more and more with the people in this Los Angeles area and everyone is so kind. Everyone is wants to help out each other. And so I kind of felt that at the event and kind of reflects on, you know, the uprisers story and meaning or message that Michelle uh, shows in her clothes in her uh, company. So if you're in the LA area, you have a storefront. Yeah. You have a uprisers storefront. <laughs> We're actually moving. Okay. So, R.I.P. End of an era. Uh, um, but it's the beginning of a new one. <laughs> beginning of a new one. Yeah, yeah. So the intentions here are um, we're moving everything to commerce to be like the official like warehouse fulfillment center. Um, and then the new area that we're moving into will just be dedicated for a showroom. So we can have like certain meetings and bring people through to to see the products and whatnot. So that's the plan. But it won't be retail space. It or? won't be re- well. Um, our retail space was more of like pop pop ups, like we would do uh, like events, okay. and yeah, it was not like open uh, uh, five days out of the week situation. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to, if you want to know more about Uprisers, you go to weareuprisers dot com, or you can follow them on Instagram, and then you'll know when a pop up pops up, or you'll know <laughs> what's coming down the pike. So everyone should go do that and check out the stories online and, and, and see the faces and see the stories as they're being turned into fashion. It's amazing. So let's talk about Hate is a Virus. Uh, you and your friend Tammy Cho founded it in 2020. And, you know, we could probably guess why you started it, but I, I want to hear from you. So where did the genesis for our hate as a virus get started? Yeah, this was um, before lockdown. And I was just sitting in my living room, kind of just seeing what was starting to happen on social media and all of the, I guess you would say, like, hate comments against our community um, because of, you know, various reasons that we all know why um and I couldn't just like sit there and not do anything about it 
And we've already started to see a decline in business. Um, Asian owned mm-hmm. businesses, small businesses in the mm-hmm. LA area was already starting to see a decrease in sales because of huge, yeah. Um, miscon- misinforma- misinformation. And so I didn't think about anything other than like, let's just do something. And so it was actually, um, Carrie Okubo and Saul Lopez. It was the three of us that were in my living room and we're like, let's just do a hate is a virus food crawl. Mm-hmm. let's support these small businesses so we just got a just, bunch just of our money yeah just yeah, yeah just to buy some food yeah yeah. we're like let's just like get a bunch of our friends go to some of the businesses and let's, let's start this let's do this on a weekly basis let's do da, 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 da. Mm. we did one event well quote event and then and then lockdown happened yeah um so we're like okay well this is not going to go away um I posted it on my socials being like, I don't really know what's happening right now in the world. Clearly we're all locked, locked down. Um, but we're going to continue and create a safe space for people to share what they're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever wants to help, let me know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Tammy reached out. She's like, Hey, let me know if I can help in any way. And that's really when it started in the digital space. And so you weren't even friends. You were, you're basically strangers. Oh, okay. We were acquaintances. Okay. Okay. So yeah, um, for the most part, we I, we built we built this from just zooms, um, mm-hmm. and in a matter of a couple of weeks, uh, I think it was like 15 million impressions, um, just organically, like folks DMing us, emailing us, sharing their different experiences that they're scared to go outside because they think that they're going to get attacked, like mm. nurses who are caring for COVID-19 yeah. patients were being like, you know, verbally abused and all of these things. And, mm. and at this point it became more than just a local initiative. It was much bigger yeah. than that. So yeah, yeah. we started to try to really figure out what is it that our community needs right now. And so we started these like virtual fundraising um opportunities to just give rapid grants to those who are mm-hmm. like affected most um mm-hmm. and tammy has experience she has her own nonprofit called better brave so she has a lot of experience in the nonprofit space um i again only know the fashion design uh-huh. industry so i was like okay let me just print some shirts out and, uh-huh. like, and like keep on donating to hate the virus right so that we can disperse those funds to to small businesses at the time and then became just um grassroots organizations and we made it a goal that if or we found out that um, out of all philanthropic funds in in the u.s only 0.3 percent are allocated to the api community Mm -hmm. really really that's a really really small amount so we're like how can we better support this and we just throughout a number we're like let's just have a goal to raise one million dollars (laughs) <laughs> yeah let's make it <laughs> only one yeah. like we're just locked inside anyway <laughs> let's uh-huh. just do this um and i think you know with with tammy's leadership with all of the incredible like volunteers um that hopped on to hit as a virus it just kept on going and it took a minute it was it was eight months of people not really seeing that this was a necessity for our community they didn't see that there was a, a huge issue at that time you know mm-hmm. um but it, it took a minute, but we were finally able to reach that that goal. 
um, and have been able to support 70 different organizations across the U.S. And um, uh, as we are lifting, I mean, now now it's almost like we weren't even in the pandemic, which is a lot to think about. Um, yeah, yeah. Really trying to see what is it now that hate as a virus can show up for our community. Mm. Yeah. So what are what's the continuing work that you do? I know you do education and 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 give people a platform, and and of course you still fundraise. What are some of the the things that are actively being done by Hate Is a Virus? Yeah. So um, our theme now is community care, and this this has to do with more of the mental mental health space. Um, we really want to nurture the folks who have been doing this work, not only for generations, but also like the up and coming, like community advocates, activists, folks who are really pushing, um, on a ground level, like grassroots level that that's addressing racism. Hey, all the intersections of why we're, we're seeing this type of, um, these issues. And so that also comes with community care being able to uh, nurture each other so that we can continue this work because it is a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not yeah. going to get solved tomorrow. And so um, leaning on this, uh, we are, we are um, thinking about different ways of how we show up in person, not just in a digital space, but in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if someone wanted to get involved, how, how would they get involved with hate is a virus? Uh, you can go to hazevirus.org. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, we we are. It's a very exciting time for hazevirus because there's a lot of like transitions that are happening right now because we have to evolve right with the times, and so um, mm-hmm. there will be a lot of opportunities um, to to get involved. So just reach out to us, and we can see where that goes. Do you do you envision? an end to hate is a virus being necessary is that is that the end goal is like someday we won't be needed <laughs> i mean that that is the goal um i think what's what's hard is that sometimes um we put in all this effort and then yet we see comments on on the internet you know yeah, like are yeah. things really changing or are we going backwards and um what's been um a peace of mind is talking to one of my mentors, Mike Morase, he's been doing this work since the 60s and 70s, right? And he's also been working with the um, the brown and black communities ever since he was in college. So chatting with him, as well as other, other folks like him, they said that they would have never thought they have seen this much progress, the unity starting to happen in their lifetime. Hmm. And so although there's just so much more work that needs to happen and you just can't do it tomorrow, um, we have to also like take care of ourselves, right? So that we can be in this this journey for the long long term. Um, it's reassuring to hear from them that like, okay, as the next generation is coming up and even folks who are younger than, than us um, that are doing this work too, that hopefully that we are going to continue to see this progress. And yeah, I hope that one day we don't have to say, hey, it's a virus. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Important work. Thanks for that, Michelle. All right.
right, you have survived our difficult questions. Are you ready for Jeff and our uh, Jeff and my lightning round? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start with the easy question. What's your go-to order at Panda Express? <laughs> orange chicken for sure. Okay, uh-huh. always got to do the orange chicken. Uh, you go yeah. you go in chow mein, you go in fried rice, white well, rice, brown half rice. Half always. Okay, yeah, the half and half. Yeah. Um, and then it depends on my mood, but it's like the walnut shrimp, or I'll just uh-huh. do like the super veggies. It just depends uh-huh. on my mood. <laughs> you know, I was just at the mall yesterday and they had all these great options, but the only place with a line, Panda Express. Really? <laughs> Every oh. time, yeah. What are What are your guys' orders? Oh, I think I'm I'm a half and half guy myself, an orange chicken for sure. And then, yeah, you know, it depends on your mood. Something you're feeling spicy, you know, make a little eggplant, or sometimes you want to go walnut shrimp, or, or you're feeling extra, extra rich that day. You might go with a premium item, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe some beef, maybe some Angus beef or something. <laughs> All right, this is one I asked Jeff before too. Uh, do you have an easy fashion hack to up one style, like just something easy that you could tell someone to just, just to start? Yeah, I, I always think that there's like a like a statement piece and whatever that is in, in your world. Um, you know, for, for me, I think it's like having jackets that are like a statement pieces and just having core uh, basic essential pieces to go along with it can um, um, be a pretty simple just day to day. All right. So what's your statement piece that you like to re- bring out when you're feeling a little extra? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely in my jackets. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? What's your statement piece? Oh, might have to be shoes. Yeah. I've been getting into shoes a lot more. Uh, getting not really sneakerhead territory, but starting to. It really makes a huge difference when you put on a unique sneaker on an outfit. It just like completely changes the whole look. So yeah. I think that's my easy hack, easy fashion hack. <laughs> All right. So, which celebrity style do you? you love or kind of relate to or maybe what do you want to design for someone i think it's a unique niche to style someone but any celebrity celebrities that you love to style that's a good question i'm like not super like celebrity driven Mm -hmm. um i feel like i would love to i would love to style i don't i think it would go to my like childhood okay 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 hold on so recently i um stumbled upon meeting lance bass oh okay oh yeah and sync yeah um, i saw that <laughs> he wore the panda he like loved the panda jacket i feel <laughs> like there was something about it that meeting kind of like my old uh-huh. um, childhood uh-huh. <laughs> It was very different from like meeting a current day. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I think in that lane, it would be something like, like, like a Lancer. I don't know. Even like Britney Spears or something, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that like, would go, to be honest. Yeah. It, it, it would but, take a minute for you to get over it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Sorry, I don't have one. No, I love it. I love your answer. All right. All right. Now. Uh, this is not really about, um, fashion or food, but we were, um, 
We did an episode uh, with your friend Ray Liu from the Real Asian Podcast on uh, our top Asian athletes of all time. And we we kind of created a Mount Rushmore of Asian athletes. <laughs> and so, let's see, I picked Tiger Woods, and then someone else picked uh, Duka Hanamoku, and someone else picked Manny Pacquiao. And then Ray came in with a female ice skater to put on this Mount Rushmore. Now, I think I might know your answer for this one. But he went with Michelle Kwan, and, and some of us really? older folks were like... Yeah, and so I, I'm a little older. The other people on the panel were a little older, so we were like, nah, it's Christy for us. Christy Yamaguchi, <laughs> of course. I want to hear your answer. Who would you put on the Mount Rushmore of Asian athletes, Michelle Kwan or Christy Yamaguchi? Yeah, it's Michelle Kwan. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's the reason why I started skating. So, <laughs> mm, You know, oh. there's probably thousands of young women and young men who who can say that. <laughs> Nathan Chen said that, right? Didn't he say? I I, I don't know, actually. I think he. I think he I did? have heard him okay. say that. But yeah, it's so interesting. For, I'm gonna have to hit up Ray. Be like, why did you pick Michelle Kwan? So curious. No, he, he he said the same thing. He loves he loves women's sports, and he just really thought that she for a generation, you know, like she she dominated. So yeah, she's and a then, legend. Yeah. So, you know, people my age were like, well, Christy was the first. Mm. You know, so it was just kind of like, you know, and the gold medal. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's that old Olympic gold medal thing that kind of hung us up a little bit on Michelle, but but her body works amazing. She's and she's still representing and she's still for so many people uh, an icon. So, I had no argument really with that, but I just <laughs> wanted to hear you say it as well. All right, and we like to end our episode by asking our guests who their infatuation is. Uh, infatuation is anyone in the Asian community, living or deceased, that has inspired you. Could be someone you know or someone you admire from afar. So, Michelle K. Hanabusa, who is your infatuation? My grandma, hands down. Yeah. 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 I pay so much homage to her and her life. And so, mm. yeah. Cool. What, what was it about your grandma that, that made her so cool? Um, she, I mean, for one, I think everyone who meets her, they're just like instantly gravitating towards her. She'll just like sit mm. there in the room and people just like love her all of a sudden. <laughs> so she just has that, um, uh-huh. magnet in a way, but I think just everything that she's been through and what she's overcome and then like been able to provide, you know, the next couple of generations after that, it's like, you just got to give the, the, the flowers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've learned so much from her she's like my second mom she's lived with us since mm-hmm. i was like middle school did she live through world war ii as well yeah she was um it was in okinawa and so she had mm-hmm. to live in caves before because everything was ruined and you know yeah they didn't have anything to eat yeah no there's a reason they call that the greatest generation because they they saw some stuff that you know Mm. some of us would just crumble under that kind of pressure but yeah she's like she's like why do you have allergies i don't i don't have any allergies we're so soft soft. (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks for that and today you're our infatuation though michelle we just love what you're doing and we just are really happy to speak with you and you too jeff thanks for coming along giving us some of your afternoon thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure talking with uh, you and michelle really enjoyed it yeah thanks yeah, for no. having me on it's it's an no, honor of course 
Yeah. Well, no, we're happy to have you. So I think that just about does it for our episode. Good luck to both you on everything. And if you want to know more about Uprisers, you can go to their website, weareuprisers.com, or weareuprisers on Instagram. Uh, you can follow Jeff also at Jeff Yamazaki on Instagram. Hey, congrats on 80K followers, man. That's pretty, that's a big number, man. Big numbers. Yeah, it's growing. I really appreciate all my followers. So thank you for that. It's amazing. Congrats. I, I when I when I posted your episode, I got about five or six direct messages going, Oh, I know that guy. I've seen him on my feed all the time. And <laughs> I got one piece of feedback for you though. One mm. of my friends goes, Well, the only knock on Jeff is he smiles too much. So <laughs> So once in a while, Jeff, you just gotta you just gotta mean mug or you gotta you gotta yeah. just not not grin so much. <laughs> Actually the API video I do on Sunday is I try to, you know, keep a straight face and people call me like, why aren't you smiling? What's wrong with you? <laughs> wait, why, wait, why do you not try to smile on those videos? I don't know. It's just how I started, just like straight face. And so I kind of, I kind of didn't want it to put the, the, the spotlight on me. Just, uh, and so I just kept it yeah. you know, very straight. Well, Jeff, I love the fact that you smile. And it's like when, when your content lands on my feed, like mm-hmm. it's like a it's, it's it's like a ray of sunshine. You know what I mean? It makes you feel good. Yeah, no, no. no. You do you, man. You just don't worry about this one hater. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and of course you can find hate is a virus at hateisavirus dot org. You can check them out as well. And so let's see. Oh, I forgot to, I forgot my own handle. So <laughs> of course you can follow <laughs> us at Infatuation Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. And as I mentioned, if you want to just write us a good old fashioned email, you can write us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Follow us or subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, you know where you can follow us. And so I guess that's it. So on behalf of Michelle and Jeff, we hope that you're all happy, healthy and safe out there. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.